0: I'm Christine. And I'm Alan. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to our discussion this week.
1: Our hope is that we'll share some information that you'll find helpful.
0: So now we invite you to join us as we together
1: listen, listen for, for the, the
0: word. word. Hi, hey everybody, and welcome to our podcast today. As you know, we have been working through Luke, but now the lectionary takes us to John, John 12, verses one 1- to through eight. And this is the anointing of Jesus. And I have to say, this is one that I have always been drawn to. I think um, I was talking to Alan beforehand. I think a lot of women are attracted to it because it's 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 an episode that involves um, a woman. So um, why don't you uh, take it away and let us know why you think this has been included here. In this yeah, Luke you know,
1: it's, it's kind of interesting, I think, that, you know, we're, we're going along in the year of Luke and you think Luke has plenty of fodder for the common lectionary but this is an event that Luke's Gospel doesn't really report in this same setting and John's gospel gives us a unique perspective on this event. And so I think mm-hmm. what happened, you know, as we said before, the, the Revised Common Lectionary tries to work as much of John in as they can into the three-year cycle. Right.
0: Now, we do have um, something closer in Matthew and Mark, don't we we do we not?
1: Indeed. Yes, we do. Yeah, um, this, this anointing of Jesus at Bethany, Matthew and Mark, do and do report an anointing that is similar in many ways, but it is also significantly different. Um, while John reports this event taking place six days before the final Passover of Jesus' life, and therefore before he'd even mm-hmm. entered Jerusalem, Matthew and Mark both said it only two days prior. And so that would mean basically that, that in, 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 in John's gospel, Jesus has not yet entered into that final right. week of conflict with the Jewish leaders. Uh, another difference is that while John says this was at the home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead... Uh, report only in Mm -hmm. John's Gospel, Mm -hmm. and that his sister Martha served and Mary anointed Jesus. Matthew and Mark say this took place at the home of a certain Simon the leper, and the woman who anointed him is unnamed. Mm -hmm. Now, I should mention here, Luke also reports a very different kind of anointing of Jesus at the home of a Simon, who is a Pharisee, um, much earlier in Jesus' ministry, mm-hmm. it's set in Galilee,
0: right? Right. Uh,
1: and we're going to, and the reason I bring this in is because we're going to see, although it in Luke's gospel, this is a very different event. There are some strong connections with the report, the report in John's gospel.
0: As you explain this to us, Alan, it came to me. This is reportedly done in. Bethany? Where where is Bethany?
1: Bethany isn't far from Jerusalem. So this is, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the final week of Passover and the final week of his life. So would
0: you, would you potentially leave Jerusalem to go out to Bethany and come back?
1: That's kind of the way Mark and Matthew seem to report it. And, Mm. and that there is, there is some sense to that. I mean, it would have been, I I don't know exactly how far Bethany was from Jerusalem, but apparently that was doable.
0: You know, as I, as I processed that, I had processed this before, maybe, you know, I've always wondered where is Jesus staying in Jerusalem. Right. I've always kind of wondered that.
1: Right. I mm-hmm. mean, because you've got probably thousands of pilgrims coming exactly. to Jerusalem for for the for the feast, and although they were able to get a room in Jerusalem to be able to hold the feast, you know, right. being able to find lodging may or may not have been so easy. So right. They, you know, Matthew and Mark seem to imply that maybe he's staying at, at the home well, of and of that Mary could Mark.
0: be right if it's close. You could leave and come back. Yeah, it, uh, there are all these question marks. Obviously, Jerusalem's a gated city, yeah. and... I suppose he would have just entered in and out with pilgrims. Yeah, um, doing that wouldn't have been too hard, but but it would also, I think, put more eyes on him too. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in, is you're entering in and out of gates. Yeah, you think so, of
1: his triumphal entry as he's entering Jerusalem and he stays there. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 you do. Yeah. So I, these are those kinds of, and that mysteries. may be part of the
1: reason why why John reports it as being before Jesus even goes. It into could
0: Jerusalem. be maybe in John's space was just not logical these going yeah. back in and out, but these yeah. are questions that we can't really answer that no, uh, that make me right. hungry to right? know but um okay so john also presents it unique because of of lazarus so yeah. explain that
1: well in in john's gospel jesus actually had just raised lazarus from the dead in chapter 11 and it was that act that provoked the final decision on the part right. of the jewish religious leaders to find a way to put him to death and so in that setting then john's gospel mentions that there was a lot of speculation going around as to whether jesus would even actually appear publicly at the passover or
0: not Uh Ah, you know, I think it's interesting that John chooses to this this event because obviously he's stirring up lots of followers. What what about this event for John, um, uh, that he he wrote this into being the reason that the Jewish Jewish leaders? Well, I mean,
1: John will say um, that you know because of Lazarus. Um, many of the Jews who who had come to Mary and Martha and to to mourn with them believed in Jesus, so this was a threat to them, obviously. Right. And maybe there was even a plot to uh, to assassinate um, Lazarus as well, because you know, just Lazarus was kind of walking what kind evidence, of, yeah. of Jesus' uh, right. ability to to do wondrous things.
0: Right. Yeah. So that make it it, it adds kind of a, a fear factor too involved to the Pharisees. Yeah. Not just he's gaining he was, political he attention, but he's got this, this kind of threat that he has mm-hmm. um, abilities above. Um, well, he posed he posed people. a threat to
1: their control over the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So um, moving on, then um, this whole thing about um, Jesus staying with with Mary and Martha. So what? How does describe how? Than being in this house, if, if this is Lazarus's house, um, how is this? How does this play out?
1: Yeah, and you know it's interesting because John just kind of mentions it. You know that that Jesus came to Bethany, uh, the home of Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead, and there they gave a dinner for him. And so it's it's just apparently self evident right. to the editors and or authors of John's gospel that if Jesus was going to stay in Bethany, he would stay with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, and you know uh, perhaps. You know, you know, one of the things we have to understand when we take a historical look at the Gospels is Jesus obviously had obviously had more followers than those who actually accompanied him right. on his journeys. Of course, and, and they would have been scattered throughout uh, Galilee and Judah, I would say, and uh, Judea. And um, um, so maybe perhaps Lazarus and Martha and Mary were some of those. Those right, followers obviously, of
0: Jesus. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think that's obvious. Uh, he, you know, they're obviously not mentioned as disciples but clearly they are they are friends and clearly they are um i would say they believe in them i would
1: say they were disciples they just not all not not all the disciples of Mm. jesus that all not all the people who believed in jesus actually accompanied him on his journey
0: right exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, that's a good way to put it yeah Yeah, that's a good way to put it um okay so what happens here what what does mary do
1: so while describing the meal that martha served which is similar to the report of the meal that martha and mary where we have martha serving and mary sitting at jesus feet in luke chapter 10 john tells us that mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard anointed jesus feet and wiped them with her hair
0: you know everyone's going to ask what nard is
1: (laughs) well and you know honestly i really don't know myself but but uh, nard was from the spike nard plant, and I don't even know what a spike plant is myself. But it's said to have a heavy, musky, earthy smell. So uh, those of you who are into essential oils, you can probably name that particular essential oil that that has that heavy, right. earthy, musky smell. But um, it was also used as one of the oils and perfumes for the process of embalming a corpse. And I think it's important that here, this is a point of connection between. John's account of this and Matthew and Mark's account. They report also that Jesus was anointed with a very costly ointment or perfume as well. But in that account, the unnamed woman anoints Jesus' head, not his feet. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, the the mention of a woman anointing Jesus' feet and drying his feet with her hair is only paralleled in Luke's account in Luke chapter 7 of the quote-unquote sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair before anointing them with a jar of ointment. That's in Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 7, especially verses 37 and 38. Now, this is just an aside, but in the history of tradition, I think there's probably been sort of a process by which this unnamed woman who anoints Jesus becomes associated with the sinful woman who wipes his feet with her hair, which has been associated with Mary Magdalene
0: yes i agree. yes absolutely had,
1: you know in the church tradition they associated mary magdalene with a sinful woman yeah yep. and and rightly or wrongly i i don't i don't think there's a real connection there that i don't think that's fair
0: to mary magdalene i think that's they think they're just um, collapsing too much together they and i are. think what's interesting here is our factual minds want to make this into this kind of this even narrative and, and we can't i think we have to You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that we have to take this and understand how our authors were using this to illustrate their understanding of Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice, as opposed to some kind of, uh, the kind of uh, historical or accurate factual narrative that we want it to be. Right,
1: exactly, exactly. Uh, Besides the fact that, you know, this is not Mary Magdalene, this is Mary of Bethany, right. the sister of Martha, the exactly. sister of Lazarus. Exactly. This is a different Mary altogether. Different Mary altogether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in the church tradition, they tried to make connections where they weren't necessarily there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, thinking about last week's discussion, when you think about the art tradition where you don't have words, you can see how people looking at the art pieces mm-hmm. might collapse these together oh, you know um they would not have the knowledge of the background to understand there's all these different well, Marys. As i, mentioned,
1: I mean th- this is the only other place in the gospel tradition where someone um you know uh, anoints jesus feet right. and wipes them with her hair and you if know. you saw
0: that picture it right. wouldn't even if they could read and you had it identified i don't know if you would pick up on it right. um um, you might. Uh, I, I do think there's some specific iconography. that goes with Mary Magdalene. But mm-hmm. even then, I think it'd be really easy to mix them up. Sure, mm-hmm.
1: sure. You know, and, and just the fact that you've got you've got John's account of Mary anointing Jesus' feet, which is very similar to Matthew and Mark's account of the anointing of Jesus' head at Bethany. And then you've got the connection between John's account with Mary wiping his feet with her hair and the woman in Luke chapter 7 wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. I think, I think I'd have to say that the trail this event took from the original episode to the reports in the Gospels must have been a very interesting one. Yeah. Because if this is not two different events... You know, if this is one and the same event, then it's amazing how the you know the 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 the, the telling of the story branched off in three very different directions.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is possible, right? Yeah. So and yet
1: they're all kind of linked together. They are kind as well. of linked. There's so certain, there's of certain
0: pieces of it that yeah. definitely come out right. all the time. The the expensive perfume right. is you know right. consistent, and the and the anointing parts are consistent. So clearly, there's I think there's some truth in the. Yeah. In the in the stories. Yeah. Okay. So then in this count we also have Judas. So what's yeah. Judas doing?
1: So John reports that Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples. So one, apparently
0: he's there. He's there. Which is interesting of course. because he's with them. And and are all the disciples with him or just yes, Judas? Yes, yes. Okay. And
1: so you know, I think this is important because um, you know, all of the disciples, including Judas, are with Jesus up to the final meal. Right. Up to the Last Supper. And it's after the final meal. Now, there is a distinction between John and, and the synoptics as to whether the final meal was a Passover meal. In John, it doesn't right, seem to right. be. In, 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 in the synoptics, it does. It does. But in, yeah. in all four Gospels, Judas is at the final meal, and it's after the final meal that Judas goes out to okay. betray Jesus in all four Gospels.
0: And yet this might be here a hint of it yes potentially you know
1: and this is something that's common in the in the in the gospel tradition throughout all four gospels wherever you have judas mentioned He's either betraying Jesus, or he's identified as the one who would was going mm. to betray Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. that is true,
0: and that's in that's in a text.
1: Yeah. So yeah. one of
0: the disciples, the one that was about yes. to betray him. Right. So you don't get that confused <laughs>
1: wherever wherever you see that, and and there is some some thought that there might have been another Judas. He's called Judas. Yeah. In yep. some gospel accounts, but there 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 may be some confusion there, and so there might have been another Judas. Um, But, um, you know, wherever Judas Iscariot is mentioned, he's mentioned as the one who's going to betray Jesus. And so John reports that Judas uh, objected to what Mary did, saying, why was this perfume not sold for Mm -hmm. 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And again, this is an element common to the anointing stories in the gospel tradition. In Mark, it is some who were there who raised the objection in anger. Mm -hmm that the perfume could have been sold for more than 300 denarii mm-hmm. and given to the poor. In Matthew, it's the disciples it's a whole. as a whole mm-hmm. who were angry over so much waste. Only John identifies the objector specifically as Judas Iscariot. Mm-hmm. I think it was, must have been important in the narrative flow of John's gospel to remind the audience here that Judas was the one who was about to betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um and again this is something that you know even in John's gospel when 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 Judas is mentioned earlier on he's 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 identified as the one who would betray Jesus right. but I think the point of this is that that John, John's gospel is trying to alert the reader or the audience to the fact that Jesus crucial hour is drawing near that this is this is this is going to happen sooner rather than later so then you know both Matthew and Mark agree that that the objection was that such valuable perfume should have been sold, and the proceeds given to the poor. Um, Three hundred denarii would have amounted to a year's wages for a manual laborer, mm-hmm. and if you use about a twelve to fifteen dollar an hour average, perhaps workers' wage, that would come up to about twenty-five or thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So this was this was no small right, um, no small matter. Uh, however, I would say that's interesting that Mary uses a pound. Of pure nard. Um, later, John will tell us in John 19, 30 and 39 that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus used a mixture of spices weighing seventy five yeah. pounds to prepare I Jesus' tr- body for burial. That
0: seems obsessive when you think about seventy five pounds.
1: Well, one one commentator said this would have been a burial fit for a king, basically. That you know, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure most common people didn't have the resources to use that much uh, in the way of of, of oils and spices to prepare bodies right, for right right but um if if we assume that joseph of arimathea had his own tomb right he was we assume rich he right might have had the means to be probably oh
0: I, he probably yeah. did yeah that's it, it just doesn't seem like a body could use that much but but again that uh, it, it well
1: it had to do with they you know they they the imp- they would kind of th- they would wrap the body right and and they they would wrap the body in these oils and spices yeah yeah, yeah. that
0: makes sense yeah. all right
1: So then John's gospel continues to disparage Judas, telling us in another narrative aside that the reason he raised this objection was not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Mm -hmm. That's John 12, 6. Mm -hmm. And this is the only place in the whole gospel tradition that identifies Judas not only as the one who would betray Jesus, but also as a thief who stole from the common purse they yeah. shared. We don't have any other indication of that. The only other connection between Judas and money was that he agreed to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And that detail is only found in Matthew's gospel. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's such an ubiquitous part of the gospel story. We think that all the gospels mention this. Only Matthew's gospel mentions that.
0: And yet, and yet I wonder to what extent, because both John, and then here we have Matthew, associate him with money. That mm-hmm. That is kind of the common. And, of yeah. course, think about, you know, I'm going back to our, our visual images, but we can see even Da Vinci's Last Supper with he's got the little purse on his head. Right. So I think this does reflect that this becomes part of the lore, at least mm-hmm. that Judas Surely. and money go together. Surely. And what do we know about money? It always corrupts. The
1: root of mm-hmm. all evil is mm-hmm. the love of money, right? right. Yeah. So, um, you know... I find it interesting, though, that John, even John's gospel doesn't mention that Judas betrayed Jesus for money. He just betrayed Jesus.
0: Right, right.
1: So this this aside, however, about Judas, I think, alerts us to the likelihood that the objection was not based on sincere concern for the poor. And by the right. way, I would say that probably also applies to the, to the accounts in Matthew and Mark. They don't have this big thing about how, you know, the person who raised the objection was Judas and he was not only the one who was going to betray Jesus, but he was also a thief. They don't have any of that. right? But right. even in Matthew and Mark, the, the the objection that it should have been given to the poor rings kind of hollow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. It does. So how does Jesus respond to Judas?
1: Yeah. So in John's gospel, Jesus responds to the objection by saying, leave her alone. And in the NRSV, it says she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Now, the words, she bought it, are not actually found in the Greek text. That
0: is so in, interesting. And
1: the Greek text, we actually have a sentence fragment there. And you would translate this, leave her alone, that's a complete sentence. But then the rest of it is a fragment. That she might keep it for the day of my burial. And you have this purpose clause, but there's no main subject and verb.
0: That is so interesting, because yeah. when we assume she bought bought it is a very different sense than she just has it right because she might have it for some other other reason she maybe somebody gave it, it to her yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah. when you think of oh she went and bought it uh, this this makes this even more precious in some ways well you
1: know? I, I, the, my point is simply that we don't know what she did that she might keep the perfume for the day of his burial <laughs> it's just left out of right the Greek text. right and as i mentioned the nrsv su- supplies she bought it but this is just one of several ways that the english bible tradition has handled this particular translation problem uh the, and the implication i think of the nrsv text is that she only used a portion of the perfume on that day and mm-hmm. was saving the rest for jesus body when he would be buried mm-hmm. that's the implication and that's explicitly how the revised standard version translates the verse it's a little bit different let her alone let her keep it for the day mm-hmm. of my burial mm-hmm. all right that's how the that's how the revised standard version translates it and several English language versions, including uh, the American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, the New American Bible, the New American Standard Bible, the New New International Version. I think their translations also reflect this idea that she only used a portion of the perfume that day, and she was keeping the rest of it to use on Jesus' body when he was actually buried. Interesting. others interpret this then as this event, she uses all the perfume to as a kind of way of preparing Jesus for burial now. Right. In advance.
0: In advance. Yes. Yeah. And and I could see that too.
1: That's the translation of the New Century Version. Leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. Right. So that implies she uses all the perfume on Jesus that day. right? And so this was an advance preparation right. for burial. Right, which is
0: interesting. And that's in, uh, he has this identified, not from my knowledge, but uh, the Common English Bible and the Message. Yep, Common English Bible,
1: the Message, and the New Living Translation okay. all have that same Inter- approach.
0: Interesting, yep. Yep. okay.
1: But then there are other translations that seem to try to keep a neutral stance, allowing both of the previous interpretations, and okay. that's that's the King James version and the New King James version and the CEV. Oh wow! And I would probably try to take a translational approach like that myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it is really interesting, though, to think about it. What what really surprises me is the uh, New Revised Standard supplying the "bought it," which seems to be perhaps not the best, maybe the worst well, of the choices.
1: <laughs> I, I think I think what they're doing is is they're 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 giving a nod to. A detail that's in Matthew and Mark, um, because um, uh, when oh, you compare I the wording of Matthew and Mark at this point, um, you know they both say, state specifically, "She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial." Okay. They both kind of resolve it in that way, and so that there may be—I mean, obviously, one of the two interpretations: whether it was you know she's anointing me in advance now, or you know, let her keep right. the perfume uh, right. f- because she's going to use it for the day of my burial. Um, I think both of those attempts at trying to resolve John's text are based on what Matthew and Mark say because they both kind of have that Got idea it. that this is an advanced anointing of my body beforehand, b- before its burial.
0: It, it's, yeah, and I think that's it's, the importance here, I think, is it's... <laughs> She really recognizes what is is yes. happening, and, yes. and there's been this kind of hint that the disciples yes. still don't quite get it. Yes, and yes. um, and and that's one of, and I didn't, I did not do the research on this for this round, but that's where a lot of the the feminist scholars come in, Surely. saying, "Look, sure. she is one of these outcasts, this woman basically that is not part of the no." Gets it? Yeah. On these, uh, oh, yeah. That.
1: Mary's action is connected clearly with Jesus' burial, mm-hmm. which clearly alludes to Jesus' impending death, yeah. and yeah. she clearly gets that sh- that that this is coming. Yeah. So I will say I will say this. You know, we we tend to assume in in terms of gospel origins that you know maybe Matthew or Mark are 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 the primary, the first gospels, mm-hmm. and the rest of them are following. I would say at this point, John's text may actually be more original mm-hmm. because. In John's version of it, you know, you have this sentence fragment, mm-hmm. and there's no no resolution of it. Right. Whereas in Matthew and Mark, they both add elements to to kind of resolve that tension that you find in John's Gospel, Le- and that that have it, finding that kind of tension is one way that that New Testament scholars can say, well, this appears to be a more original right. reading.
0: Is this you know when you're looking at the different. Um, the different source material, um, the different ancient texts, are, are they all showing John the same way?
1: Um, there was some effort to uh, resolve this problem. There were some manuscripts that Im- that supplied a verb, taterican, um, which is the perfect version of tereo. She has kept it. Basically, she has kept it in order okay. uh, to keep it for the day of my <laughs> my um burial yeah there are some manuscripts that tried to supply the answer, but but not the majority of manuscripts. okay
0: so yeah that's oh. it's very interesting um and so, finally, how does Jesus respond to Jesus? Well, Judas?
1: Jesus continues by saying, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, that might seem like a kind of a callous statement on Jesus' part, but really, um, again, I think the point of this is that, you know, it's not to weigh the relative merits of giving alms versus Mary, uh, Mary's act, but but basically to highlight the fact that they would soon not have Jesus with him. Right. And and And, you know um uh, also perhaps Jesus is aware that the objection about giving the money to the poor wasn't really sincere. Right. Now this statement is paralleled in Matthew and Mark's account mm-hmm. although they both elaborate on the statement and they also add the remark that truly I tell you wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world what she has done will be told in remembrance mm-hmm. of her which is an interesting uh, addition to mm-hmm. this uh, episode. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's I, I do think it's really significant again for for the feminine view of this too is that this is a woman that's going to be remembered and mm-hmm. I mean basically prior to this the only other Mary that's really oh, recognized oh, oh, right, right. Was, was often the mother of Jesus <laughs> not I mean and so but when you have here's here's another woman who's yeah. really held up for what she's done she recognizes the sacrifice ahead of time
1: well and as we've seen before you know at the at, you know it's only some of the women, who are named, who are present at Jesus' death, and and who actually have the courage to go to the tomb,
0: exactly, you know, in, in the exactly. Gospels. Yeah. So
1: you know, and and I think it's pretty cool that they're named there. As well, uh,
0: abso- yeah. a- absolutely, And I think there's something that's going on about their ability or their their willingness to even acknowledge what's what's really happened. Um, not only in her case does she understand what. Yeah. What is going to happen? Yeah. But then that they are, are come the next day, they stay at the cross, yeah, I, and then I mean, they come the next morning. And I think there's a whole theme there. That I wouldn't on. put
1: it past the male disciples to be thinking, you know, we're coming into Jerusalem, and Jesus is going to ascend to the throne of David.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I, I, and I,
1: Mary I, understands that no, nah, That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, it's I, it's a very interesting theme that yeah. we don't often pull out as much, but um, it's it's. Uh, I think there i think there's and i as i i didn't focus on that this time and but i i think there's something definitely mm, there
1: i think so too So, again, I think we see from this episode and its relationship with the other accounts in the Gospels that the origins of the Gospels are far more complicated than any simple diagram could depict. And if any episode in the Gospels illustrates that, I would say it's this one. You know, there was clearly a tradition of Jesus being anointed at Bethany shortly before his death, but the details show connections with a very different anointing story in Luke's Gospel as well as the accounts in Matthew and Mark. And the end result, basically, is that some biblical scholars have concluded that these are variations of the same mm-hmm. event, while others believe that there were two separate events that were mixed in the process of the gospel tradition. Uh, and one scholar, uh, Ernst Hainchen, who's a notable mm-hmm. source critic, says, basically, a very complicated set of relationships is involved among various facets of the tradition here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
0: think that's the best way to say it, it right? Is. And we, we're never going to really know, but, no. but um, it clearly this is a a story stories that has made its way through the tradition to help people that people are going to recognize and know and that
1: um well and in good german fashion uh as a a notable source critic ernst heinchen in his commentary on john's gospel in the in the hermeneia series he he gives us about three pages worth of outlining his view of of how this one episode uh started with mark of course. And went to Matthew, and then and then Luke and John. <laughs> so. Oh well, interesting, interesting.
0: I, but I, then he does say this. This is complicated. Yeah. He so does. at least he offers that out for it too. Yes, and yes. I, you could see how one might want to develop it in that way. But I think to assume that that's how it happened, I'm not it,
1: sure. Mark was the first. I, I
0: agree. I I agree. And of course, you know me. I am always willing to think about what what the oral tradition had done with this. Um, I think
1: there was a lot of development in the oral tradition prior to any written documents. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I mean. This strikes yeah. me as a story that was being told before anything was written down. Yeah. This woman who anointed Jesus, which I think is so important because this whole, again, well, I'm going on broke, my women's she, thing.
1: She broke a boundary, you know, that women didn't do that.
0: She she broke a boundary. She foresaw what the disciples mm-hmm. could not see. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this would have been dropped. Women's stories, as we know in the Bible, a whole as a whole, are not that important. And um, but when the,
1: when they do happen, the wom- the women tend to be named. Exactly. <laughs> we don't know the exactly. name of the Egyptian pharaoh, but we know the name of the two midwives who who helped birth Moses. Exactly. <laughs> so the point
0: is here: this is part of the oral tradition. This is something that people yeah. held onto and remembered yeah. and told. And for all I know, it might have been told largely by women. Yeah. You know, we it's know. it's hard to say. Yeah. But, it is. Um, it is.
1: Anyway, I I think it's fascinating from that perspective, but I would say that the main purpose of this passage in John's Gospel is to alert the audience or the readers of the impending events. Judas is going to betray Jesus sooner rather than later within days. Mm -hmm. Jesus' death is going to come within the week Mm -hmm. and his burial will follow. And in light of the subsequent events in John's Gospel, Mary's act, I think, makes most sense as a preparatory, as an advance anointing for his burial. Rather than a preliminary anointing that she would complete later. I because there's th- no account of her going back to the tomb.
0: I think this makes sense, too. Yeah. 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 So, I think that makes sense. So I think that's
1: what's going on here. She She's she's doing an, she's she's doing honoring Jesus with this preparatory or advanced anointing of his burial. And I think that
0: makes sense, too, with the tears and the, mm-hmm, you know, right? the, I, this that makes sense to me, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back, and we'll look at some of the Reformation themes that they pull out of this. All right, thanks. Thanks.
1: Hi, friends. We're back, and we are going to take a look at how the Reformers dealt with this passage. So, Christy, uh, tell us what you found.
0: Sure. So as I was reading the uh, commentaries of the different reformers. I was surprised actually about how easily the themes came out but there's definitely themes and i think they might surprise you as to um the the reformation um interest and it's 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 before they always come in kind of with this this eisegesis of what they are are dealing with but Mm -hmm. the first one um is this whole works righteousness and you're probably not thinking of this as a works situation at all but it was and what and and this is between for reformers Mary's deed is an example of work done out of faith. So, faith first, and then this work Mm -hmm. came from it, which I had never even contemplated this as a work in any way, shape, or form. Right. You know, and I thought that was a really interesting observation. Um, And they are very complimentary. Of the deep faith that leads her to both pour the oil over Christ's head, but also wash His feet. Now, again, they're they're combining these, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which we're not surprised. We don't talk about them collapsing John into it, but but they do when they can. Mm -hmm. Um, They still feel like this is um, this that these events still all has to fit together. All have to fit together exactly.
1: Well, and you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have. Luke's mention of the meal in Luke ten, where Martha's serving and she complains to Jesus, and Jesus says, "Well, Mary has made the better choice, you know," and well, Mary I seems to be the about one that. devoted.
0: I did not see that in the they folks may, I looked at. They may
1: not have made, explicitly mentioned it, but I have to think that if they're talking mm-hmm. about her doing this out of faith, that there was some some of that was. I I didn't
0: I didn't see that in this set of commentaries that I looked at. Um, I bet that is being discussed here and there but um i think they see that as a different event mm-hmm. um sure. Oh, for sure oh, sure. oh uh, sure but no i didn't see that connection made which is interesting but in this case the work of mary is good because it emanates from her faith in christ yeah. and not out of a choice to judge but rather to know um rather that it is pleasing to god mm-hmm. um and uh, one of the reformers, Johannes Brenz, I've mentioned him before, claims that if we that we are assured that it is pleasing to God because of the fragrance,
1: <laughs> which lingers which, in the house, which lingers in the house,
0: and he allegorizes this and claims that this is the fragrance uh, of the gospel. Yeah. And he was the biggest one to make a big deal out of this uh, this fragrance. But this was in others as well. This idea that the fragrance is somehow. a a reflection of how pleasing this is to
1: god well and again i they they may not have mentioned this explicit passage but you know that's a theme that that paul brings out that that you know he goes about doing his work Mm -hmm. as a fragrance of the gospel
0: I thought about this in terms of some of the Old Testament pieces, where you know the the fragrance of the of the sacrifice, oh, right, right, right? You know, the and, sweet
1: smelling fragrance uh-huh. in, in in to God. Yeah. And
0: I, I actually didn't see that in the commentaries, but it did come out that that might have been part of the influence. So anyway, I thought that was probably none of you thought about the fragrance in that you probably, that kind we, of we hardly context. I hardly
1: discussed it in my segment. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but this was a, a kind of a big a big deal. So that was one of the themes. Now a second one, which is is not is not so hard, but that this is a foreshadowing of the resurrection,
1: that the fragrance lingering in the room foreshadows yes. the resurrection. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: sorry. So um, this fragrance goes on further to act as that foreshadowing of the resurrection, and I think uh, what is significant here. As the importance the reformers give to this event um, is, it is an acknowledgement of the reason that the story is in the gospel hmm. altogether. You know,
1: huh. wow. <laughs> so it's it's all about the lingering fragrance.
0: Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, they well they don't really take that don't take that modern approach. They are looking for how it fits within the story of Christ's past passion. Hmm. Why does Jesus go to Bethany? What is the significance of the anointing with oil? Um, reformers are of course, are very clear that the oil is not to be copied as part of a ritual. This, according to Calvin, is exact opposite. God certainly does not approve of outward display.
1: (laughs) Of course not. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, This is, according to Calvin, a one-time thing for Jesus who is headed to the cross. It reminds us of the significance of the event and um, the really true promise of resurrection. The beauty of the sacrifice that will come from such a horrible event. Mm.
1: All from the fragrance that lingered in the yeah, room. Yeah,
0: this, this all stems from the <laughs> fragrance that lingers in the room, right? Right. Um, the gospel will remain. The scent will remind us of the resurrection. And of course, this is done at Lazarus's house. This fact is not lost on the reformers who felt no. that Lazarus. Being resurrected from the dead was significant to the event of the Nard. Well,
1: and it's even mentioned that you know it was at the house of Lazarus, whom Jesus, Jesus had raised, raised from the, the dead. dead right? Exactly. So. so they
0: they found that really important. So what an interesting and I, when I when I think about this and in, in retrospect is the emphasis emphasis of the of the fragrance, which for like as Alan said, and I. I hardly mentioned it, and I think most of us hardly thought anything about it. Yeah. And that here this was so important. I I, I, I wonder, and I, I wonder why. It, it, is it because of what we talked about before, or does it have something to do historically with the age, you know, when everything mm. smelled really bad all the time, <laughs> you know? I, I, there could be something to that. Um, rich, expensive fragrance was was not used all the time people smelled really bad there was raw sewage everywhere i mean these are things we don't think about with the 16th century um there was uh so when you had perfume it was it was an extra important event you know what i mean that that something that would smell beautiful especially
1: you know it says this was worth almost a year's wages exactly again i have to think that this wasn't something that mary went out and bought i have to think that this was something that may have been passed down to her from her like her mother or something
0: yeah well that's what i wonder right so another theme is hospitality um and we didn't really talk about hospitality either but um jesus went to lazarus's house to dine was a reminder of the promised communion of the saints um, and and I, it's, it has this kind of beautiful thought. And I, I thought, oh, you could actually preach this as part <laughs> through hospitality, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the Reformers felt that going to Lazarus' house and dining provided a foreshadowing of the great banquet of eternal life. Um,
1: well, there is a thing, you know, especially in the Synoptic Gospels, where um, most Gospel scholars will, will point to the connection between Jesus' meals mm-hmm. that he has with just common people and the Last Supper, mm-hmm. which clearly points forward to the eternal, you know, the banquet of God mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. the kingdom. So, yeah, that, that's not that's not that much of a reach. No, actually, uh, you know? not
0: at all, not at all. One um, and, and um, Francisco de Toledo, a, a Spanish Catholic theologian. Go so far as to assume that this is the house of Simon the leper, which we of course saw in Matthew and Mark, and implies that all can be saved. You know, because if,
1: if Jesus is dining with a leper, exactly, then all can exactly. Be
0: saved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a- another theme is that of poverty versus luxury. Um, many of us feel um, th- this. This all has to do with the the situation with the Nard and the, and the mm-hmm. wasting of money and n- of the Nard. Um, and most of us feel like the criticism of wasting an art is not really out of line. I mean, there seems to be such such a, a criticism of of when we seem to be extravagant in the right. church. You know, well,
1: and that's a good reformed uh, position. Absolutely,
0: right? I'm in a we're in the middle of a capital campaign, and and once in a while you do hear those. You don't need to spend all that money on. On building, you should be spending it on the poor, and um, and reformers, particularly Calvin, want to emphasize that God is not encouraging us to be extravagant, um, but but we still need to to worship God. Mm-hmm. After all, says Martin Bootser, the disciples were themselves poor sure. and not accustomed to such luxuries, sure. um, and he believes that the other disciples would have agreed with Judas, yeah. like we saw in the like other we saw gospels, in Mark's mm-hmm, gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and you know, I mean, when you think about it, you know, it's hard to put a precise monetary value in today's um, um, finances on what would have been a year's wage. But if you think right. about a typical a typical manual laborer making anywhere from twelve to fifteen dollars an hour, right? You know, that that's in the range of twenty five to thirty thousand dollars, and right. you know, um, for me, that's the purchase of a car. Right, that's something you do. You know, you know every maybe every ten years. Right. That's right. not that you know. I would. I couldn't. And and of course, if you think about it, funerary practices these days. I mean, it's if if you're if you're if you're lucky enough to get a casket for ten thousand right. dollars, you're you're lucky. Right. But I mean, the the amount of money that people spend on funerals is is
0: kind oh, of uh, it's outsized. It's it, it well, it's crazy. And yet, there's something really beautiful about that there's no price on love. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, she's just she's not sitting there thinking about how much is this worth. No. She's thinking it's the best I have mm-hmm. and I I, I don't even think it's even conscious that I need to do this, but she just has to. Yeah. She has to do this. She, she knows that she knows
1: that Jesus is going to die, and out of love for him, yeah, she she does this and exactly. She, she takes maybe what have been what had been an heirloom in her family and and uses it to yeah.
0: Honor I have him. no yeah. other yeah yeah. So um, there are a couple more themes. Um, one is why Judas would betray Christ. <laughs>
1: Well, John has a simple answer for that. He's a thief,
0: right? Right. Um, so um, that that Jesus rebuke of Judas, Judas would be the reason that Judas would turn in Christ. So not so much about the thief, yeah. but that this this uh, this kind of um, Jesus hurt his feelings because right. Jesus said um, uh, said that uh, that said Mary should be doing this. And and I think that's kinda of interesting. Um, I, I've
1: seen some I've seen some modern commentators say something to the effect of you know, because Judas was putting his hand in the common purse and, you know, Jesus deprived him of potentially three hundred yeah, pieces of silver, you know, in in the in the purse that he could have access to, uh, out of sort of revenge he betrayed yeah. Jesus,
0: and that's a that's that's a reason. And this one was more this one's their argument struck me as more he got his feelings hurt when yeah. Jesus said don't don't rebuke her because. Yeah. That was okay. Um, I do think it's interesting that they need to have a cause or an incident that led Jesus to betray Christ. Right. That strikes me as interesting. Yeah, the uh, Gospels
1: just sort of take it as 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 for granted that G- Judas is the one who's going to betray him, and Jesus even says something to the effect of you know, uh, uh, woe to the one who 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 betrays the Son of Man. You know, he he you know he will have he, he will you know his fate will be will. Will be uh, one that is not very pleasant, you know, and so it's almost as if, you know, Jesus seems to speak of it as if it was somehow predetermined in some way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and Calvin kind of goes into that. So Calvin mm-hmm. says, um, no one like Judas, Judas should actually be given this role. Um, that those serving in the church should be upright people, but here Judas represents both the sovereignty of God and predestination. So, in other words, no. Nobody should, Judas should never have been given the role of the mm-hmm. of the treasurer of the disciples, but he was, and it was necessary because of his role in, um, betraying Christ. Right. So he really goes on this whole predestination piece of it. And I think that's interesting, um, an interesting point. <laughs> well, it makes
1: you wonder. I mean, you know, because J- Jesus chose him as one of the disciples, mm-hmm. one of the apostles, and, and one of the 12. And, you know, so there, he, Jesus must have seen something in Judas. Mm-hmm. I would think not just just the potential for betraying him. And so mm-hmm. it makes you wonder if, if Judas could have chosen to do something right. Other than they did, right? And of
0: course, you know, if you if you go into the apocryphal uh, Gospel of Judas, that's you know the whole thing that that's about is that Judas is the one that's doing what's foreordained that had to be done because that had to be done for Jesus to die on the cross and all those pieces. Mm -hmm. And what an interesting um, kind of uh, um, philosophical debate you have there. Did Judas have to do this? Would it have happened anyway? Would someone else have done it? And did Judas, in, in a way, re- reflect some kind of um, following what he was supposed to do? So it's, it's a real problematic piece, sure, right? Sure. Um, and, and then finally, the last one, which is a very Reformation theme, is the bodily presence of Christ. And you're probably wondering, what? <laughs> How does this come out of that? Uh, my favorite argument is a discussion of the last part of the, uh, the pericope. They are using Jesus's claim that he would no longer be here as evidence that Christ can't be physically present in the communion so, later. So
1: you will always have the poor, you will not always have me.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And um, and of and of course, uh, the Reformed, and you, you know how this comes down, but the, the Reformed tradition, Zwingli, who where there's the, the communion is really only uh, a symbol, says, according to his human nature, he is one place in heaven, namely at the right hand of God the Father. Therefore in body he is not visibly present. Mm-hmm. And in Zwingli's um, so Zwingli's like, look, he's not he's not here. This is purely a symbol of um and, and, and a commemoration yeah. of 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 the Last Supper. But, you know, the debate is on, and um, a, a Lutheran pastor um, um, uh, argues that the hypostatic union means that Christ is present both in body and spirit. So here, um, both are present, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that, in, and, and he's actually, this Junius um, um, is actually... Uh, one of the contributors to the formula of Concord, ah. and so this becomes kind of that Lutheran position, if you will, that right. that um, Jesus is pre- present um, in, through, and under the elements, which is you know, so Lutheran. Right. And um, after, and, and he goes on to say, after the incarnation, it is impossible to represent the Logos outside the flesh from which it is um, near and never. nowhere. No, excuse me, never and nowhere separated.
1: Which, that that kind of boggles my mind, because when you think about Jesus in his resurrected body, okay, he is mm-hmm. resurrected, but he can also appear, he can go, he can appear between walls and things like that, and, you know, Jesus seems to, he doesn't seem to be, you know, omnipresent in the sense that God is, but he seems to be able to, to appear wherever he chooses to. And, um, so I guess I can see a certain logic to what they're saying, but at the same time, I would want to say, you know, why would you limit the presence of the I resurrected say, Christ? I was going to say,
0: why, yeah, why, why what would you limit you that? What limits do
1: place upon, upon, exactly. wherever the resurrected Christ can be? It, I guess it's because he has to be resurrected bodily in some form.
0: I, that, that, that yeah. would be the argument for it. Yeah. Um, but, um. You can see it, it, it. All kinds of interesting, th- and of course, these all divide our. And of
1: course, that's where we get our spiritual presence, spiritual of Christ. spiritual presence of Christ, which <laughs> I
0: think makes a lot of sense. But yeah. you can see how these different positions on the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. are going to going to divide us, yep. and um, and are still being discussed as we're trying to make steps with with different um, denominations and and, sure. how um, and how they understand and how they understand. Christ's presence with us and yeah. um, and how we're and how we serve. Right. And I think it's um, uh, it's an interesting debate. So here it is in this very strange place where you don't expect this debate to appear. Yeah. There it is again.
1: Well, Jesus said you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I have for us today, friends. Right. But we will come back in a little bit. And- Thanks, Christy.
1: Hi, friends. We're back, and uh, we think we're going to focus uh, on discussing how, really, this act of Mary in anointing Jesus um, is meant to be a kind of advance preparation for his burial and pointing forward to his passion and his death, and. Um, so we'll share some thoughts about that, Christy. What do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, as I was thinking about this in the middle of our Lenten season, and and it it seems in some ways like an aside, like oh, then mm. then he goes to Bethany and and this story, and yet at the same time, I'm really attracted to this story, but it just it 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 feels it feels like a slowdown almost from the events of Jerusalem, and yet I think that's part of the the key to it because I think it's a reminder. Of Jesus is going to die, right. and all of these events with and you, you can see the events and all of their busyness and all of their uh, almost excitement all of this energy ultimately is going to lead to his death and I think when we are doing, we, we don't think about doing to the death, and, yeah. and this stops us, and we have to take a breath and look yeah right and so this anointing is actually a huge piece of that reminding us that that we're walking towards a very sorrowful event. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and you know in John's gospel um this event is placed a little differently in Matthew and Mark it's placed right in the big middle of all it's it's after Jesus really has all his debates with the Jewish leaders in the temple. In John's gospel it's right before the the triumphal entry right before he enters Jerusalem mm-hmm. so this is like the last stage of his journey
0: before yeah, he enters uh,
1: Jerusalem yeah
0: that well that's true that's true and,
1: and and but and so from that perspective I think it does make some certain sense to 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 sort of take a break from Luke and to to take a look at this particular event Luke doesn't report the anointing at Bethany in connection with Jesus final. Uh, week in in Jerusalem, Jesus right, has that that's anointing right, earlier right, on in Galilee. That's right. right? That's Luke right. has the anointing earlier. Right. In Galilee. So
0: the the placement of it, and I. But even whether it's it's the Jerusalem week or it's coming into Jerusalem, it's still this event, mm-hmm. and it it kind of takes you away. You know, I think of a private dinner at someone's right. home, this kind of intimacy with friends, this kind of, and yet here's, out of the public eye. Uh, out of the public eye, mm-hmm. and yet here is this event. This this anointing by this woman who is not by the standards of the day an important person, right. and here she is recognizing what is going to happen, and I think that's significant. Yeah,
1: I have, a, and I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, you know, one one thought is I wonder, I wonder what the the twelve thought about all of this. You know, um, uh, John tells us that it was Judas who ob- objected. Matthew says that it was some of those who were present. Mark says the disciples Mm -hmm. as a group objected, right, which which I think – would would imply? I mean, it goes along with the theme of not understanding, right? Right, Mark's that gospel. fits perfect
0: with the, Mark's the, gospel. The, the
1: male mm-hmm. disciples of Jesus didn't understand. They don't understand. I, I can really envision them thinking, "We're on the verge you know, we're in Jerusalem. Jesus is about to ascend the throne of David, mm-hmm. and we're going to be ruling over Israel." You know, yeah. And and, and it's Mary who sees through all of that mm-hmm. ego, basically, right, and recognizes, and she's the one who gets. The fact that Jesus is going to die. Right now, right. I think that also has to do with John's context, the context of John's gospel, because you know, in in the in the raising of Jesus, in, I mean, in the raising of Lazarus, um, you know, he, she and Martha both have pretty significant interactions with him. Right. And, that's true. That's true. And you know, I think she, I think she might have been. You know, I don't know if she might have been aware to what extent were the characters in the Gospels aware of what the Jewish leaders were doing. I don't know. They they lived in Bethany. Um, apparently, it was close enough to to have some interaction with Jerusalem. But maybe this was just simply she got what Jesus had been trying to say to the other disciples mm-hmm. all along that he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And and I so that leads me to the second point, and that is that what a how, you know, we've talked about this before, but again, it leads me to the, the observation that it's the women mm-hmm. who follow Jesus who play really the leading roles in the part of the gospel when it comes to surrounding his death, mm-hmm. being at the cross, when it comes to his, his burial and and going to the tomb mm-hmm. when it comes to they're the first ones who witness the resurrection they become the apostles to the apostles about the good right. news that Jesus right. has been right. raised and and I, you know i i think you know we need to we need to remember that, that that that's a part of the story as well
0: right right and of course i i would push i would push this even further to be honest with you um and 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 it, because obviously it's it's mary mother mary at the birth right, right. i mean that's that's Obviously, how we come into this world. So here, here are women when he is comes into the world mm-hmm. and he leaves the world. Right. And what an interesting commentary I think yeah. on on the um, experience of of life. Absolutely. Um, and um, you know, it's so often, and and I'm I'm sensitive to these things in particular because I think it's so often we we start talking about this and we forget about the women who are actually there at the at this, these times, these these physical lifetimes coming in and going out, mm-hmm. that are so central, that is God's work, and yes. so always are men and women together um, in this whole space. And so, um, I just I, I think there's something exceedingly important about women being at the death.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and this is you know we're thinking generally in terms of the gospel story, but I think it's important to point out also in. In John's gospel, we have this very touching scene with Mary Magdalene. in yes. You know, at the tomb. Yes. Where, where uh, Peter and presumably John, the beloved disciple, come. They hear the report of the empty tomb. They come. They race to the tomb, and they find don't find him there. And apparently Mary Magdalene has come, and then she is the one who sees. She's the first one to see the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. And yes. So it's, yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's um, you know— Again, you know, they—the women—are the ones who play mm. really the most significant role in connection with the death and the burial and the resurrection yep. of Jesus. Absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely. So, um, what? It, and again, and so then you look at the story again, and you're thinking, hmm, and here it is included, and included in this way, and and now, of course, um, uh, uh, I don't know. I I, I guess it. I, <laughs> It's just it it, it's it's kind of like (laughs) it it kind of reminds me of there's all this stuff important stuff to do and 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 yet there's a sense of this is more important than all of it in a way you know it's kind of like oh you could sell this you could give this money to the poor this is why are you why why are you stopped here to allow Mary to do this to you and yet somehow it's more important than everything else Jesus
1: says Mm -hmm. you will always have the poor you will not always have me. Exactly. I think Mary gets that.
0: I think Mary so too. Mary
1: is, and I think she's broken hearted because she gets that. Right. You know, and that's why she does this amazing mm-hmm, act because mm-hmm. she knows something is about to happen that Jesus right. is not going to be with them anymore. And out of her love for him and out of her grief mm-hmm. that, you know, he's going to die. Right. Um, she, does this amazing act, she takes, again, what I've, I, I'm, I'm thinking may have been an heirloom in her family and uses it for him to properly prepare him for his death and burial that you, is to come.
0: You know, it's reminding me of a story. <laughs> I don't think I've told this story, but I was, um, I was in a program um, with one of the colleges in town and it was a uh, preparing future faculty. This was much earlier in my career when I was um, preparing to be a college professor. And I remember working with this this fellow one day and I came and he stops me and he says... You know, I don't have time for lunch. I'm a busy person. I have to be doing this and that and something else. And I was five months pregnant, and I looked at him and I said, "Yeah, I eat lunch." <laughs> <laughs> and it just reminded me of how how righteous and important his stuff was. And right. I'm like, I'm taking care of it, another baby, a baby, a life a life. yeah, And guess what? I eat lunch
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right And it reminds me of that because this is about life and death, And she gets it. She gets it, um,
1: and while the other apostles, while the apostles were very likely thinking about what what glory they would have when they came into their to their you know when they got exactly. their true recognition that they deserve, perhaps similar to your colleague,
0: mm-hmm. uh, you
1: know, mm-hmm. she was thinking about things, matters of life and
0: death. Right, right. That's you know, it came to mind with me, and um, and and the ultimate, um, and this and this ultimate death, and and undoubtedly awareness that this resurrection would come to i mean i think she even even had that hope
1: yeah well because he raised jesus lazarus Lazarus. from the dead right exactly and so the things he said to 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 them you know and really the confessions that they made of their faith in him were pretty amazing Mm -hmm. yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know as i as i think about it you know maybe maybe women you know you've said this before but i mean it really kind of sinks home to me as a guy you know i'm kind of dense on some of these things as some of the other guys are obviously Mm -hmm. uh but the connection that women have with birthing life and and all of that mm-hmm. may have may have made Mary more sensitive to these matters of life and death that the others missed out on.
0: Uh, it, I, I think it could. I mean, they, they are around, you know, they e- even if they don't have children of their own, they're usually around in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form women that have had babies. I mean, that's women's domain kind of space, and so there definitely is um, a connection with that new life you Mm -hmm. know um and 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 i think it was the women who went to who were the ones that were going to go prepare the body so they're they're kind of involved with that death too yeah yeah
1: amazing amount of courage and insight and faith on the part of all of them
0: yeah yeah really really there is so thanks alan
1: That's our podcast for today. If you heard something that was helpful to you, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.
0: It's our hope and prayer that our time together might bear fruit in your ministry as you build up the body of Christ.
1: We hope you'll tune in next week. And in the meantime, let's keep serving each other as we together
0: listen listen for for the the word. word.